0: At one all step for man, one giant for man
1: The British Constitution provides, the taxation and representation shall go together. Therefore, women taxpayers are entitled to vote.
0: I have a dream today. Let freedom ring and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. Hi. Welcome to episode 15 of the Only Human Podcast. I'm Tony Kern. I'll be your host again today as we talk about something that's gotten really personal for me lately, uh, grief and growth. Although this is uh, usually a very positive podcast, and this is a pretty downer topic, I promise you there's a lot of good stuff, really positive stuff here for all of us, and I will keep the tears to a minimum. So let's get started. Before we go too far, I want to remind you, uh, because this is a serious topic, that I'm not a grief counselor or a psychologist or anything like that. I don't really even have a deep understanding, theoretically, of the topic. I'm simply another person out there who is trying to come to grips with loss, and I hope to share some of my experiences with you and a couple of things that's worked for me. So uh, why are we talking about grief? Uh, a couple of days uh, ago, just before Christmas, I received a Facebook message from a um, wife of an old friend, once maybe my closest friend, uh, let me know that he'd died of cancer, uh, bladder cancer that he'd been suffering with for quite a while. And I had been out of touch with him for some time and I didn't even know he was sick. And that concerned me greatly. And as I was thinking about that and processing all that, um, three days later, uh, I got a call from my brother, my only living brother, the last member of my immediate family, uh, who called me from a hospital in Montana to tell me that his rare form of blood cancer, which had been in remission, had come out with a vengeance and he only had days to live. Uh, his doctor's prognosis was accurate, and, uh, and he is now gone from our world as well. Interestingly, both of them were named Mike. Not sure why that matters, but uh, if I say Mike during the podcast, could be talking about either one of these. What does matter is how I'd let myself uh, fall out of contact with both of them to different degrees, and the remorse Uh, that hit me uh, as part of the grief, and it's still hitting me like a ton of bricks. I mean, maybe two tons of bricks. Now, it's not like these guys died alone wondering where Tony was. They were were surrounded by friends and family, and by all accounts, they died peacefully, both of them, uh, in their sleep, relatively pain-free. But somehow I, I still feel guilty about not being there, not just when they were sick, but for having lost touch with people that were once important in my life and obviously are still important to me because of the way I feel, which all leads us to the Blue Threat Proverb of the Week, and it is, the time of reckoning is not of our choosing. And what it says is basically that the world is a cruel teacher, um, it gives us tests and quizzes whether we are ready or not. And the penalty for failing a quiz can be devastating. Life and death, happiness or grief. My specific forms of devastation related to uh, the Blue Threat Proverb of the Week, um, kind of two of them, shame and remorse. And both of these emotions can paralyze me. Uh, I have thoughts about what I did or didn't do, what I said or didn't say. My thoughts are completely dominated by what could I have done, but didn't do. And what I didn't do, or what I did do, was I was just too damn busy to keep in touch with people that mattered to me, and maybe I mattered to them as well. I had just become too busy, too uncaring to reach out and keep in touch. And those thoughts, to be honest with you, are still dominating me. And it's been a few days now uh, that I've had to deal with it. So we'll look deeper into those two painful emotions in just a minute. But we have to pay the bills even in very serious podcasts like this one. So I'll be right back in 60 seconds after a word from our sponsor. The COVID pandemic and its aftermath exposed numerous
1: gaps in everything from supply lines to healthcare. On the personal level, we've all felt it in an overall decline in mental health and well-being, whether in ourselves, our loved ones, or friends and co-workers. No one has been spared, but some have bounced back much faster than others. Why are some people better able to bear their accumulating burdens and daily stresses? It's because they've transformed their life experiences into psychological strength. The good news is that you can do this too. Just like physical muscles, we can develop our mental resilience, toughness, and agility, if we know how. Welcome to the gym. Armor Knight Psychological Strength Building is a program that will show you how to begin building those mental muscles, armoring you to better deflect the constant barrage of mental arrows that wear you down. Join us on our website at convergentperformance.com and click the link for e-learning to sign up for this exciting program today.
0: All right, let's look a little bit deeper at shame and remorse and what those words mean and how they play and how we can maybe turn them on their heads a little bit. And use them right. So shame and remorse are sequential, at least for me. They're painful and they're powerful. Shame is this deep-seated feeling that I'm some somehow fundamentally flawed or wrong in what I'm doing, and it's often you know highlighted by the grief when we think about moments that we could have maybe handled differently, right? Remorse, on the other hand, tends to come after the shame. Uh, it's the profound regret uh, or guilt for actions that we took or actions that we didn't take. In my case, you know, actions I didn't take. And both emotions, as I said, are incredibly powerful. They're heavy and they can make the burden of grief uh, almost unbearable. But here's the deal with heavy pain, heavy emotions come serious power. Both of these impressive emotions, shame and remorse, Have a bright side. Hard to believe, right? First of all, it shows you still know right from wrong. And that's no small thing. From that small piece, the knowledge that your moral compass is intact, albeit maybe it was stuck for a little while, uh, we can build from that. More on how we can build from that in just a moment. But first, what I want to do is I want to make sure that you're not just hearing uh, another Tony interpretation of the world. There are some really smart people that deal with grief and study recovery, and they tell us some pretty neat things. Probably one of the most well-known comes from uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was the uh, protagonist of the five stages of grief. And they provide kind of a framework for understanding how most people journey through grief. Although not everybody will go through every stage. Some may not proceed in this sequence, but they are pretty common experiences on the path of healing from from serious grief. So I'd like to go over those five stages with you briefly before I spin back around and tell you kind of some things that works for me. And we talk about how we can build from knowing that our moral compass is still in place because we felt the shame, we felt the remorse, right? So stage one in the Kubler-Ross model is denial, right? I'm not sure this is even an accurate name for this stage, but it's what it's called. And I'm probably still partially in it right now. This is the first stage where we kind of, it helps us survive the loss. We say, this can't really be true. He can't be gone or she can't be gone. And the world sort of stops and it becomes meaningless, a bit overwhelming doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, We go numb. We wonder how we can go on, if we can go on, why we should go on. We try to find a way to simply get through the day in this numb state, right? And days that seem to last forever, right? You're, You're in this mental loop. This can't be true. He can't be gone. We try thinking about something, anything else, but our heads just are in too deep to resurface. Supposedly, we need to go through this step Uh, and the next step is supposedly part of our healing process. And again, I'm not sure why step two is anger or phase two is anger. As we come out of denial, we get mad at the situation, Reality reemerges and the pain that goes with it. And we're not quite ready to deal with the world yet. So we tend to lash out Um, at people, um, animals, inanimate objects. It doesn't matter. It's a way that we take control. Um, because once we're in this denial stage or we're out of this denial stage and we begin to come out of it, we go, man, how could this have happened? How could I have let it happen? How didn't I know it was happening? And that manifests itself in anger. Um, now, supposedly, this is natural and it not, tends not to, to last too long. And it gets us to the third phase which again some i have little questions about and third phase is is bargaining third stage of grief and that's the normal reaction where we try to re- apply some logic to the situation right some speculative questioning second guessing right and it's it's kind of where maybe i'm at right now although i'm still a little bit in denial uh, a little bit angry at myself but you know, what What did we do? What did we not do? Maybe if I just convinced my brother to seek medical attention sooner, or maybe if I talked to him about getting a second opinion, or if I tried to be a better person, a better brother, or stayed more in touch um, more often. You know, if only, if only, if only. Okay? For my pilot brain, this is sort of a form of debrief, right? And it, it can lead us into two places. One, sort of lessons learned, right? If we file away these things and we're going to work on them. But the second one, which is the natural phase that follows or stage that follows um, can be the crippler. And stage four of the Kubler-Ross um, five stages of grief is depression, right? sadness, regret. Uh, it's when all of our if-onlys uh, are answered, but you didn't. Right? Uh, if only, but you didn't. Uh, and it can deepen from there, right, uh, into true self-loathing. Right? We worry that in our grief, you know, we, we spend less time on things that are important today. Maybe, maybe I'm neglecting my family. Maybe I'm neglecting my work. And if I'm neglecting my work and all those that rely on me is part of the team. Oh my gosh, I suck and I'm getting worse every moment. Right? It's it, it's really a dark place. Right? Make no mistake, depression can be a killer. Right? So if you start to get lost in this phase, uh, it's seriously time to reach out and ask for some help. I'm not kidding. Right? Um, the the final stage in the Kubler-Ross model is acceptance. Um, This stage is marked by withdrawal, calm, life goes on, right? And in this last stage, um, individuals embrace um, their own mortality. Hey, these guys died. I'm going to die too. Maybe I should get busy doing something that's important. Or that a loved one that we always were close to is gone and they're not coming back. Uh, And we basically accept that the tragic event cannot be undone and we move on. Knowing the world's changed, but we have to get back into living it, right? So that's a famous five-stage model uh, of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But for me, that's just the beginning. Uh, and like I said, as I'm wandering through that process right now, I'm thinking downstream, okay? These emotions that we all experience when we have grief are too painful and powerful to waste. And over time, I've kind of developed my own model uh, for dealing with grief, especially grief where there are feelings of guilt involved, right? Like the one I have right now. So I call it my 3R, 3Romeo grief to growth model. And it involves three steps. We're going to walk through them remorse, repentance, and resolve. Let me run through it really really quickly. Because these are all these words are they're heavy words as well as heavy concepts, right? Remorse is often born of shame or guilt about something you did or didn't do, right? It's genuine. It's bigger than mere sorrow, right? Here's the big deal about remorse. It requires some specificity. Precisely, what did did you do or didn't you do that you are regretting? Okay. To steal a line from maybe my favorite country music band, Turnpoint, Turnpike Troubadours, um, you have to look it in the eye, you have to call it out by name. Okay. So in my particular case, it was, I was too busy to keep in touch with people I should have kept in touch with. That's calling it by name, right? that's looking it in the eye. The reason you need to be specific becomes really obvious with the next step in the model. Step two is repentance. Okay, repentance is kind of a funny word that a lot of people associate with church and preachers and and all that. It's definitely in there, right for good reason. But here's, here's how I like to explain it to you and how I use that word for me. When you repent or I repent from some behavior, it means to do a 180 degree turn and intentionally leave it behind. So that's why you have to know what the behavior is. That's why you have to look it in the eye and call it by name, because I'm going to turn away from that and I am not going to do that again. I'm going to march in the other direction, right? So... And I never want to come back to it. I don't want to have to do this again. I don't want to have to feel this way again, right? So if you don't know what you're moving away from, it's a bit difficult to do, right? So now let's get to three. So, so far, remorse, okay? repentance. I know what it is that I'm walking away from, and I'm definitely walking away from it. How do I do that? That's the third hour, resolve. Resolve is something we've talked about before. We'll probably talk about it again. It's something ideally you possess ahead of time, because remember, resolve anticipates bad things are going to happen. It anticipates the blows of life that you're going to take. So when the hammer hits you, you can lean on your resolve. You can lean on, you know, this hurts, it hurts bad. But you know what? I've thought about this. I know I'm going to move through it. I know I'm going to learn from it. I know I'm going to come out the backside better. right? That's a lot better than trying to build this thing called resolve in the moment because it may not be buildable in the moment. So possess it ahead of time. When when the blows do strike, as you process this grief through the five stages, right? Your your remorse and your repentance. I'm turning, I'm walking away from this. This resolve will give you the strength to re-engage in life in a positive manner. And that's why I say this is the the grief to growth model. You have to experience the remorse. You have to be able to call it out, look in the eye, call it by name. You have to turn 180 degrees and say no more. And then you have to have the resolve to to push forward. So the last step is not really a step, it's sort of the outcome. But if it doesn't come naturally, you need to do it consciously. And that's uh, self-forgiveness. For me, it goes something like this. You know what, I I didn't do some things I should have. I can't change the past. These guys aren't gonna come back. I've admitted my failure. I've taken steps to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And I've learned and I'm gonna grow from all of this. I've done all I can. I'm still valuable to this world and I'm still pursuing my purpose. That's what self forgiveness is like for me. That's how I fully re-engage back into the world out of periods of grief. So speaking of purpose, right? The last three words, four words, I'm still pursuing my purpose. That's more than four words. Don't do math in public, Tony. But speaking of purpose, my purpose, which you've heard before, is to help as many as I can, as many ways as I can, in as many places as I can, for as long as I can. That's a big deal to me. That's an anchor of my life. It's a personal pact I have made with my creator. And And here's a classic example of how having a purpose can help you in times of grief. Wallowing in grief for longer than necessary, whatever that means, whatever longer than necessary means, is directly opposed to my life purpose. So I'm driven to recover and move forward. Grief goes on its own scale, and I understand that, but I I have an energy to lead me through this. And that's a very powerful thing, I think. So let's wrap this up. In the midst of grief, we encounter powerful emotions. Anger, sadness, shame, remorse, um, guilt. And these feelings can be overwhelming, uh, but they can also hold potential fuel to get us out of the backside of this and make us better, help us grow. And here's how I think... This might play out for me. Um, if any of my old or new friends <laughs> are listening, uh, you can expect me to reach out soon. You you can expect me to reach out soon. I've done a 180 from being too damn busy to pay attention to people that are important to me. So expect me to reach out and just say, hey, what's up, to reestablish some connections. Uh, opt out of that early if you want because I won't neglect relationships in the future like I've done in the past. The pain of recent events has taught me that, and hopefully it can motivate me to become a better person, a better friend, a better family member moving forward. The second thing that this grieving process uh, has brought to me is a sense of misprioritization. Looking back and trying to rationalize why um, I lost track of people and dropped out of touch, let these people drift out of my life. It's clear to me that I thought I had more important things to do. Um, The level of remorse and grief I feel tells me I was wrong, very wrong, and now I intend to live live differently. For me, this is the gift of grief, the fuel for positive change. And maybe, just maybe, they can become part of a positive legacy for for the two mics that they leave um, now through me to the world they're no longer physically with us, but through the lessons that we've learned from this, uh, perhaps it can become a part of who we are uh, today and a part of who we're becoming. So final takeaways, Uh, number one, everybody grieves differently, you be you, but that leads us to our our second takeaway. The intensity of emotion can be uh, overwhelming, but you need to recognize it can also be a powerful fuel for action. Unmanaged, it can lead to serious bouts of depression, and that can be dangerous. If you start to get lost in the sadness, reach out soon, as many times to as many people as necessary. And then three, give the old three R approach a try remorse, repentance, Call on your remorse by name, what you're remorseful for, and then resolve to move forward through the grief to a more positive futures. And remember the outcome. This is takeaway number four: self-forgiveness. It's essential, and sometimes it takes a conscious effort to make it happen. Well, that's a wrap on episode 15. As we wrap up this segment, think about what we've talked about here today: grief as a growth opportunity, leaving a positive legacy from those we loved and lost as a testament um, to their value in our future selves. As much as we hate to think about it, bad things happen to good people all the time. But if we're accepting of this fact and resolve to grow through it, we can weather the storms and come out the other side, maybe better for it. So thanks for listening. Uh, Please share what we're doing here today with anybody and everyone you think might benefit from it. And keep the feedback coming because after all, I too am only human. I'll see you soon.